Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, part two, City of Ghosts, chapter six. Cassidy, the cab's here. I shove the last of my things into my suitcase and sit on the lid to make it close. I was supposed to be packing for the beach, bathing suits and shorts, sunscreen and summer without hauntings. Instead, I've shoveled sweaters and boots into my bag. According to the weather app on my phone, Scotland's definition of summer is cold and rainy with a chance of hail. Jacob perches on the edge of the bed as usual in his t-shirt and jeans because ghosts don't need raincoats. You have the comics, right? He asks. They're in my backpack. Do you have room for one more? Because I was thinking that we don't have any justice. No, I say, double checking my camera bag for film. I'm cutting you off. That's cute. He just wants her to bring so many. Dad appears in the doorway, a suitcase in one hand, a cat carrier in the other. Grim glowers from the depth of his cage. Well, because they have a cat, so they're probably bringing the cat to like a, um, like a daycare, a cat daycare. Mm -hmm. His name is Grim. (gasps) Yeah, I was like, okay, you know this. (laughs) Who are you talking to? Dad said. Just Jacob, I say. Dad looks around in an exaggerated way so I can tell he's just humoring me. And is Jacob ready to go? Negative, answers Jacob from the bed. This is a terrible idea. Oh, yeah, I say emphatically. He's just dying to see all the haunted houses and haunted caves and haunted castles. Jacob glares. Traitor. I'm glad, Dad says brightly. I can't promise any ghosts, but there are certainly a wealth of history. Grim hisses in protest. I zip up my suitcase and haul it down the stairs with a stubborn thud, thud, thud through the open door and down the steps to the waiting cab. I look back for our house, feeling a ping of nerves, and Dad locks the front door. It'll still be here when we get back, Mom says, reading my face. This is just a change of setting, a new storyline, a fresh chapter. We have a whole new book to write, she says, squeezing me around the shoulders. And how do we write it? One page at a time, I say automatically. It's Mom's favorite thing to say ever since me, ever since my dip into the river. I've tried to hold it, hold on to it like a rope. Every time I get nerves or scared, I remind myself that every good story needs a twist, needs twists and stern and turns and every heroine needs an adventure so we pile into the cab two parents one girl and a ghost and a ticked off cat and we head for the airport oh the cat's going with him cool mom and dad spent most of the drive talking about upcoming schedules the show had been hired has hired a local film crew and guide and given us one week to shoot whatever we need dad is only giving them one week maybe in scotland okay all right that doesn't seem like a lot of time for the whole show. Anyways. Um, okay. Dad is holding the folder with it. Oh. Huh. Then why don't we make a whole um, book thing seconds? I know, right? Dad's holding a folder with his history of the locations, and Mom has a notebook full of scribbles that no one else can read. The more I listen to them talking about the logistics, the more I realize that this show has been in the works for months even if it just came together. 
Nothing happened until it happens and it's really happening. That's one of dad's sayings. The cab pulls up to the airport, but then when we climb out, we're no longer two parents, a girl, a ghost, and a ticked-off cat because Jacob's gone. He does this sometimes. Vanishes. I don't know if he's sulking or just taking a shortcut. The first time he disappeared, we were driving down the East Coast in search for a haunted lighthouse for my parents' most recent book. One minute he was there, and the next, he was gone. I freaked out, afraid he was somehow bound to the river, that he'd hit some invisible boundary 10 or 20 miles out of town and gotten stuck. But when we arrived at the first lighthouse, there he was, sitting on the steps. What? he said defensively. I get carsick. Such a Jacob answer. I wonder what he, where he really goes, what he does without me. I wonder if ghosts need sleep, if he has to return to the veil to recharge, or if he's just being honorary. But as my parents and I check our luggage, go through security, and board the airplane, there's still no sign of him. And as I sit in my window seat and watch the ground fall away during takeoff, I really wish he'd stayed. Ladies and gentlemen, the seatbelt sign is now on. Don't you know that noise, that sound? Yeah. The sun's just coming up as I open my eyes and press my face to the window. It's hard to imagine that there's a literal ocean beneath us and a new world waiting on the other side. A world full of secrets and mysteries and ghosts. Yeah, but it feels like a whole new world, I think is what she's saying. The strangest thing is that on the way up there, 35,000 feet in the air, wrapped inside this metal bird, I can't feel the veil. There's no other side tickling my senses. No gray cloth at the edge of my sight, and it leaves me feeling like I'm missing a piece of myself. Peter Pan severed from his shadow. It doesn't help that Jacob's not here. I try not to worry. He always shows back up eventually. The plane gets gives a small rattle and turbulent and turbulent shake, and Grim glares at me from the crate under the seat in front of me. He doesn't make a sound, but his green eyes narrow as if I'm personally personally responsible for his current imprisonment. Dad's out cold and mom's awake, skimming a book called Spirits, Spectres, in Scotland. Looks pretty cheesy. The cover shows a castle under a full moon and the tendrils of fog that turn badly, that turns badly photoshopped spirits, oh, turns into badly photoshopped spirits. I find myself reading over her shoulder and I notice that there's a section of Edinburgh. The city, which it turns out is pronounced Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh. Okay. I didn't know that either. Not Edinburgh. Interesting. I'm glad that she said that. It's more of a nine. It's more than nine hundred years old. There's an illustrated map, complete with parks and bridges, churches, and even a castle. Still, the city is smaller than I expected. Only a few miles across, and split into an old town and a new town. New town is relative. Mom said when she catches me reading. It's still more than two hundred years old. She adds giddily, "Is where all of the best ghosts are." And where are we staying, I asked. I know the the answer before her hand's even on the map, right in the middle of the town. Great, I imagine Jacob saying as I lean back into my seat. I stare out the window as daylight creeps into the sky. I think about Jacob again and start to worry about the ghost not being able to cross winding water. As the plane descends, the worry weighs on my chest. By the time we land, I'm starting to panic. No Jacob on the jet bridge. No Jacob in the terminal. No Jacob on the escalator or at the baggage claim. Then, luggage starts tumbling onto the carousel, and the first thing I see is in a red and yellow striped suitcase, as, yes, I am a Gryffindor, but the boy riding cross-legged on top of it. He loves making an entrance. Jacob. Yeah. I sag with relief. 
Jacob hops down and shoves his hands into his pockets and flashes me a crooked smile. Ghost perk, he said. I can't decide if I want to throw my arms around him or slug him on the shoulder. Lucky for him, I can't do either. We pile into the black cab. Grim pan- pancakes himself at the bottom of the carrier and glowers at Jacob, who makes a face back at Ma- back as Mom gives the driver the address of the place that we're staying. For a f- we drive for a few minutes through ordinary-looking streets lined with grocery stores and hair salons and banks, and then, out of nowhere, the road changes beneath us, shifting from pavement to cobblestone as if we're moving back in time. Oh, that's so cool. The car rattles over the uneven road. Grim looks venomous, and Jacob looks queasy. The cab driver says something, but his accent is so thick that it takes me a moment to realize he's talking to us instead of singing to himself. Dad starts nodding absently, pretending to understand, but I manage to pick up the driver's melodic voice into words. A question. What brings you to Bonnie Scotland? Mom must have caught it too because she because she sits for forward and says ghosts. Back home, the, yeah, that one word would be enough to kill the conversation. But the cabbie doesn't even seem phased. Ah, he says casually. Saw a ghost up north once. Mom brightens. Really? Oh, yeah, he said with a nod. The wife and I went to the Highlands for the day, and having taken the air and seen it, seen it all was so nice. We made our way to the nearby castle and searched for some refreshments. Oh, Highland. That's where the Highland cows come from, the cute little fluffy ones. Nothing strange about that, I think. Now, the kitchen in this castle has been turned into a tavern, all stone and glass and blazing hearth, and three lower chairs were set around a fire. The cab driver goes on. Cab driver. Um, two of the chairs were empty and there was a man sitting in the third watching the fire a gentlemanly sort my wife made her eye on the table in the back and I had the drinks in my hand so I followed behind the space was narrow and I'm not so small so I knocked my chair with the man sitting next to it nearly spilled my beer on him I said sorry and my wife and he and she turned back and asked me who I was talking to and wouldn't you know he hesitates he hesitates the air in the cab as tight as a breath he could hold it there was no one there all three chairs were empty dad looks deep in thought as if it was a riddle but mom's eyes shine like a kid in a campfire jacob and i shoot each other a wary look it's one thing for a ghost to nudge an object or or fog fog up a bathroom mirror but to just show up in our world like that as if they're flesh and blood only jacob does that and only for me and only because we're tangled so chances are the cabbie's pulling our leg or his eyes were playing tricks on him there's no reason people think that they see ghosts in the dark when the lights and the shadows can mess with your sight the cabbie's gaze meets meets mine in the rearview mirror don't believe me lass he said with a smile that's all right stay in scotland long enough and you'll have stories of your own little does he know i have plenty the cab rounds a corner and we're suddenly face to face with the castle from mom's map it's not a tiny it's oh wait only it's not a tiny illustration it's a real life castle on a cliff i stare wide-eyed and dad lets out a small appreciative whistle mom beams the whistle's probably like can you whistle (laughs) i can't whistle (laughs) i can't whistle if i'm smiling or it goes (laughs) how come you can't whistle when you're smiling slightly (laughs) <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't whistle that well. I Well, number one, I can't whistle that well either. But, like, 
I, I cannot. I. It's like when you stare at somebody and you're. They're like, don't smile. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Stunning in it, said the cab cab driver. I remember from the map. I remember from the map that the castle in the old town, and sure enough, we drove over a bridge. There's no water beneath, just a train station and a large green park. And in the older part of the city, the cabbie turns off the bustling streets and down a slope. Here we are, he says, stopping in front of an old stone building with the bright red door. The lanes end. Oh, they drove all the way to the end of the road. That's cool. Okay, this is cool. That's so exciting.